Welcome to the Mortis and Tenon Magazine podcast, where we're celebrating historic furniture making. This is episode number 17. I am Mike. And I'm Joshua. What's going on around here? Uh, got a few different irons in the fire, uh, but I think the first thing that we're uh, excited about, kind of moving on to the next stage of things, is Issue 2 is completely out of stock. Sold out. We do not have any more Issue 2s available in our store. It's a glaringly empty hole now on the shelf over there. So we'll have to <laughs> just slide everything down and fill it in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Issue 1, uh, when it sold out, we instantly got a bunch of emails from people saying, hey, where's Issue 1? I wanted to get a copy and, and waited. And we said, okay, with issue two, you're seeing the end of that supply. Yep. And said the same, hey, it's going to run out. And sure enough, we started getting emails. Yep. Oh, wait, I wanted issue two. Oh, no. So, so whenever we come out with an email <clears throat> saying issue three is running low, you should <laughs> grab it that day. Uh, we have seen some um, some copies of like issues one and two. There have been whole sets on eBay. Uh, and that's a good place to look if you're in need because we don't do a digital version of the magazine. Yeah, so. that, that's the nature of print. Yeah. Once it's gone, it's yeah, gone. It's gone. <laughs> so um, so uh, speaking of uh, holes on the shelf that will soon be filled, issue eight mm-hmm. uh, is uh, under development. Yeah. We're working on it, going through the articles uh, that we have with a fine-tooth comb. Um going to start working on design we're getting images in from authors and uh it's always a fun and exciting time yeah um there's you know it has not become an automatic thing for us necessarily uh, with each issue there's something new that comes up or some uh uh, unique and different thing in this process that we have to tackle so Mm. it's always very interesting yeah and with this issue we got to do some traveling yeah uh to meet with some people uh who are uh featured and authored in articles so yeah uh some of our heroes some people were really excited about and i think we have a pretty good uh array of different kinds of content yeah Uh, it's not kind of all on the same track it's coming from different angles different uh backgrounds and focuses so Foci, I think yeah, you say it. Foci. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so we're, I'm really excited to see this thing uh, start laying it out and getting it ready for the printer. Yeah, so um, right now as we record this, we are uh, nearing the end of January. So in just a few weeks, we're going to start to release the TOC table of contents for this yep. issue. So stay tuned. Stay tuned, yep. Um, and... Uh, we also, in the next little while here, mm-hmm. are announcing our summer workshops, plural. That's plural. <clears throat> uh, nice. Last summer we did uh, a workshop where we had six students in uh, for a total of five days. Uh, it was a work exchange. Uh, so they worked for us, helping us around this place for two days. Chopping some mortises and laying the foundation for the timber frame, yeah. uh, the blacksmith shop. So they helped us, and in exchange, we taught them woodworking for three days. So we're going to do that again uh, twice this summer, uh, one time in June and one time in July. And so we'll announce those dates uh, very soon. So stay tuned on the blog uh, for those announcements. Um, it will be the same thing, uh, sort of a pre-industrial immersion, using pre-industrial tools, um, 
be the same sort of labor exchange idea. Um, and it'll be just like last time. It's an application process. You can't you can't pay us for this class. Right. Um, it's it's a totally um, equal exchange sort of deal. So um, there's an application process. Yeah. So stay tuned for those details. Yeah. It was so much fun last time. We're really looking forward to having uh, several of those opportunities this year. Um, so really, the big thing that uh, has been going on. Um, you have been completely focused on this for several months now. And uh, your brother has been hard at work and uh, at work on the video of the CSF Blacksmith Shop project. But I'm calling this whole thing the Another Work is Possible project. Yeah. It's um, <clears throat> the book that you've been writing, working on designing right now. Mm-hmm. Um Right now, our copy editor for the book, Nancy Hiller, has the manuscript, and she's pouring over that. Um, well, it's it's more than the manuscript too; it's the finished book. Right, she's doing the, the last designed, laid out, checking book. for commas and yep. punctuations, yep. spelling, different things, and, and then making sure it all got transferred over well, so that there's nothing missing. And then it goes to the printer. Yeah, and so. Um, we were super excited to release uh, the the video um, that Sam had been working so hard on, the documentary of the project, as well as releasing the book for pre-orders. And so that's those two things are available right now um, in our store. And uh, as Joshua said, the book's going to the printer pretty after soon. next week. Yeah, after yep. next week, it's off to the printer. Uh, so really, uh, that book, the physical, uh, we will f- be physically holding that book at about the same time that we're physically holding issue eight. Yep. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of boxes coming this way. <laughs> that's kind of scary, actually, to think about. Yeah. Um, end, of, end of March. End of March. But um, I wanted to take some time today to uh, talk about the book and the entire project mm-hmm. and really the... Um, uh, the impetus behind the book. It's not just a book full of pretty pictures, but there's just a lot of thoughtfulness um, behind uh, what you wrote about and uh, what what this project has um, taught you. Mm. And uh, so let's just start with um, just briefly fill us in about uh, the Blacksmith Shop project and who the, who the CSF is or are. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I know we talked about this a little bit in a previous, uh, podcast about the blacksmith shop, but just a quick recap. Uh, there is a French based volunteer timber framing group called, uh, called Charpentier Sans Frontières, which is, uh, Carpenters Without Borders. Um, they get together at least once a year, uh, and they do a volunteer project where they restore, some 15th century castle or something. They're working Mm. on some element of a historic project or they build something new with Mm. historic methods. So this timber framing group, they don't use machines. They just use hand tools. And it's also, uh, you know, it's without borders. It's it's a cultural exchange sort of thing. So they have people from different backgrounds and traditions uh, sharing ideas and ways of working and axe shapes and cool Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, and so that's a big part of the mission of CSF, Carpenters Without Borders. Um, so long story short, uh, they wanted to come to the U.S. and through uh, our some mutual connections, our, our friend Will Lissack, 
they decided they, their project for 2019 was to come out to the Mortis and Tenon headquarters and build us a blacksmith shop. Uh, so uh, that was just, crazy. <laughs> I, I I do not have words to. I still almost don't believe it actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what we had was um, we had 35 international carpenters show up at our place. Um, the majority of whom are <clears throat> from Europe. Um, and they traveled out here with their axes in their luggage, and they spent eight days uh, hewing and joining a frame, and on the morning of the ninth day, they raised this frame. When they showed up, it was just logs. Um, so it was an incredible thing to see. It was unbelievably inspiring. Um, I, When I saw that pile of logs sitting there the first day they showed up, I thought, oh boy, yeah. <laughs> this is a lot of work. Um, but because when we, when we look at, uh, you know, working, uh, building furniture with hand tools, we look at a a board that say, say we have a one inch board and we've got to get it down to, you know, five eighths or three quarters or something like that. And we're like, oh, that's, it's going to be some stock removal. (laughs) And we're looking at these logs and we're like, okay, so they have to remove like to get an eight by eight out of this log that's, you know. 16 18 inches across the butt whatever um that's some material to remove yeah definitely um but of course the tools are all a different scale and um so as you're you're talking about this um the time that this uh, csf uh, was or were here was incredibly inspiring i mean this project was much bigger than just building a timber frame um can you discuss a little bit about some of the lessons that you learned, some of the, the thoughts uh, that went through your head as the project was taking place and, and how you are looking to weave these, how you have looked to weave these thoughts and these lessons into the book, how it's it's not just about timber framing at all. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think the first thing to say is, yeah, this is... In one sense, the book is about this timber frame project. Sure. Right. It's about these people. They came this week and they built this frame. Um, but in a re- maybe a more real sense, it's actually not really about timber framing at all. <laughs> um, because the week wasn't really about timber framing. The project has never been about uh, just a cool building. Uh, it was always about people working together in, in a different way of doing it than is conventional, normal. <clears throat> so... I think maybe the best way to explain the idea of the book um, is just to describe uh, the name of the book is Another Work is Possible. Um, and what that means and where that's come from, um, I was, during the project early on, I was standing uh, by the fire uh, talking with Jordan Finch. Uh, he's a timber framer from Virginia. And um, I was talking with Jordan and said, man, this project is just so cool. Hmm. It's so inspiring to see what you guys are doing. And at Mortis and Tenon, we're always trying to inspire people that, you know, it is totally possible to work with hand tools. It's viable, it is efficient, and it's enjoyable. Right. And I was seeing the same thing with timber framing, that I just, I felt like I didn't know that you could actually do this this fast. Obviously, people did this for a long time. But I assumed naively, of course, it must have taken forever hmm. and been brutal and not, you know, enjoyable at all. But they showed me, no, it's really actually not that bad to hew a beam. 
Um, it's not like these people hew full time all the time. Right. They, this is their vacation. Yeah. They may be timber framers full time, but they're most of them are using machines, and so this is their vacation time. So it's not like they're hewing all day long every day, and it really wasn't that bad. Um, and so being able to see that was so inspiring. And I said, this just makes me think of this phrase I had rolling around in my head, uh, communicating to our readers about furniture making, that another work is possible, that you can actually build something without machines. You don't need it. You don't need those things. Um, and I think, you know, you could, you could try to be, um, a curmudgeon and be negative about it and talk about how bad machines are and you know, that kind right, of thing. Right, right. But that's not productive. Um, I, for me, I've been impressed with the reality that it's, it's just so important to think of life and uh, things that are good as positive things. And so this is a, an optimistic way of describing this, this way of working. It's not that stop being so dependent on machines it's saying hey you know that this is possible you really can just use hand tools and here's here's how it's done so that's the the primary driving theme of the book hmm. um, because that's what i saw from them and i thought wow i want people to know that this is actually possible that yeah. people can do this and one of the things one of the threads um that you see throughout the book in your writing um, in the carpenter's writings is, you know, not only is this possible, but this is the way that is enjoyable to work. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, we, we see that so often. We hear people talking about hand tools and just the joy that they get in working with them, which which is different than using machines. It totally. is It is a different thing entirely. Um, so you've been thinking about work for years. Mm -hmm. You've been reading different uh, philosophies of work. Um, just briefly, uh, just can you name some of the people that you've been influenced by, some of the books, some sure. of the works over the years? Um, yeah, I've been kind of exploring different uh, lines of argument or thought. Um, so Wendell Berry is a big influence to me. Mm -hmm. Wendell Berry uh, is a big proponent of manual labor and the value it brings to community and to people in their lives. Um, and so Wendell Berry has been helpful. Um, E.F. E. F. Schumacher and Ivan Illich um, were also helpful in understanding how a society is strengthened by manual labor. Um, but I think that, um, you know, looking at some of the philosophical sides of what technology, what modern digital technology has done to us was really the, the primary catalyst to be thinking about um, how, how our response as 21st century people, uh, how it can be informed by, you know, the, the need to work with our hands, how important that is. So um, one of the, the people that I've just found the most benefit from uh, has been a philosopher, uh, El, uh, Albert Borgman, hmm. um, and he wrote, a book called Technology and the Character of Contemporary Life. And he basically is saying, hey, listen, <laughs> the nature of modern technology is that it disengages you from the world. Hmm. And it may be really utilitarian, helpful, efficient, but life isn't about just efficiency. Life right. is about um, engaging with the world. And, you know, whether, it's, whether you're a, a mountain climber or you make food from scratch or you're a hand tool woodworker or whatever the thing is for you, 
um, the th a way to engage with the world, to feel blood pumping through your veins, uh, that is that is the way to a, a full and, and rich experience of life. So um, those are the kinds of things I've been thinking about that um, certainly mechanization and automation are very helpful. They're very utilitarian. Um, but many people for a long time have talked about the, the dehumanizing aspect, the dehumanizing tendency of mechanization. And so my influence has been that, saying, hey, you know what? How can we celebrate the natural world and humanity in a way, in our work, uh, in a way that's enriching and fulfilling to us? And so for me, I just see hand tools as a, an unparalleled way to do that, um, the, the, an unparalleled way to work wood that's just, you feel like, wow, I can guide this axe uh, mm. with, with skill. So um, that's kind of the the main influence with, with that kind of thing. That's great. Um, your brother, Sam, was uh, here for about half the project. He was physically here doing interviews and videoing, and then he handed the camera to us, and uh, you and I finished the um, shooting the action part of the, the whole process. But he's put together a, a beautiful documentary, um, also called Another Work is Possible. Yeah, the, and, the film and the book go together, basically. Yeah. Because um, I couldn't, in the in the book, I could describe the sound of axes hitting logs, but you really got to hear it for yeah. yourself. You got to see totally. these people work. So, so um, as he, he's put that together, and um, like you say, it is, it is really a kind of a package deal. It it's really makes sense to see the video and read the book to have a, a, a bigger picture of what this project was like and uh, really the 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 visual impact mm. and the the audible impact of seeing and hearing this work taking place is um, it's really a, a very powerful thing. Um, can you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what the process of writing the book has been like for you? Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> uh, it, I, well, the, in terms of the philosophical angle that I take in the book, um, the study of work and the talk about that kind of stuff, um, I've been reading that stuff the past few years pretty intensely. Um, so that putting words to a page... Um, that has been that's the fruit of my thinking for the past few years um, so that kind of just naturally came out um, and it's kind of been bursting inside of me actually it's stuff I've been thinking about and excited about and haven't been able to share yeah some um, some mornings you'll come in like on a Monday morning come into the shop and like Mike I I just read this over the weekend and oh my goodness I, let me let me read this to you and then we'll talk about some some thought some thinker has had about like philosophy of work or digital technology or yeah. or some other aspect of society and we're like okay wow that's really huge so what does that mean what you know how do we and, yeah, and, and we say well i guess we got to get back to work <laughs> that's right <laughs> um but yeah you have it has been really impactful for you like you said yeah. like it it's almost to the point of bursting with yeah. just the sense of, okay, what next? How, yeah. what does this mean for a business? What does this mean for an individual? Yeah. And so you're writing this book yeah. to try and convey some of that. Yeah, definitely. So part of it was that stuff was ready to burst out anyways. I wanted to talk about it, but then I saw this project and I just, 
it just blew me away because it was exactly the embodiment of everything I was reading about. Mm. Seeing people covered in sweat, dirty fingernails, tired with the most big beaming smile on their face saying, yep. this is the time of my life. Mm. Uh, one of the carpenters, uh, Hank, he said that this is like a playground for us. Yeah. And, um, I think that's really just really embody that if if we think about manual labor as drudgery, it's a dead end road. If we think of if I have to use my body, oh man, that's terrible. Yeah. I would never want to do that. That sounds miserable. But if we think about if we if we change our thinking about it, we think, wow, you know, some people run up mountains for fun. Mm-hmm. What what are they gaining from that? What's the utilitarian value of mountain climbing or backpacking? None. There's none. You're not getting anything else out of it except the experience itself. And that says the experience is valuable and is good. And hewing logs into timbers to make yourself a building is that is that same kind of thing. And I saw that in these carpenters. Um, and so this this is possible. That's what I was just I was struck with saying, wow, this kind of joyful manual labor, um, especially especially when you're doing it with uh, friends uh, this whole communal aspect to it, it was just the most beautiful thing. Uh, mm. And so I wanted to focus on that. So the writing process, um, all those thoughts were, you know, kind of right there present. But then I described it in the book. I described the project and the ins and outs and um, some of the technical aspects of picage, this French scribing method and using plumb bobs and, and whatever. And so trying to bring all that together. So I basically, after the the project was over, my mind was just 100% clicked into, I got to put this book together. Mm-hmm. And so I was just basically holed up. You know, that's right. all I did was just getting all these thoughts out. And I was even realizing that, you know, it was good that I did it right away because there were so many stories and anecdotes that that Carpenter sent to me to be included in the book that I had forgotten about or I was overlooking. So it was fresh off the project, just spilling my gut saying, you're not going to believe this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's basically what the book is. Is it saying, I wish you were here. Let me tell you all about it because it's totally transformed uh, the way I look at manual labor. So um, yeah, that was the process was just down in deep and uh, trying to unearth the, the experience for readers. Yeah, it's it's funny. There's been a massive stack of books on the table upstairs here in the shop. All <laughs> of the books are full of highlights and uh, just different places to draw from. Uh, so at, I think at this point, that pile, those books are slowly getting put back on the shelves. Yeah. I mean, the book is, is done. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, you know, there will be a few tweaks before it goes to the printer. Um, one of the things, one of the aspects of this project I wanted to just briefly touch on because it uh, it has formed a, um, a pretty big part of the film and a pretty big part of the book is um, you touched on it, uh, uh, an aspect of it, just the communal aspect of the project, but sharing meals together mm. and the, <clears throat> the, the direction that you chose to take about food um, and as as the central part of this whole project and you you wrote a lot about that in this yeah. book about work tell us how that ties together yeah so 
the, um, there were 35 carpenters hewing. But when I say another work is possible, I'm not only talking about what those 35 people were doing. Right. I'm talking about everything because the meals were for 50 people. Um, but there were still even more people beyond that that did a lot of things to help us with this project. So the, uh, every minute that carpenters were you know, slinging edges into wood, there were uh, knives chopping vegetables and meat uh, in the kitchen as well. And so um, my wife Julia and a team of other people had the kitchen going full-time from... A, it must have been... Six in the morning to like eleven at night yeah. or something every single day because that is a lot of food to make. Um, yeah. So we the, did... the kitchen was the power plant. Yeah. For this project, I <laughs> yeah, mean, really, exactly. other projects have the power plant down miles of transmission lines, but here the power plant was right next door. Yeah, exactly. And um, part of the reason it was so labor intensive um, and beautiful at the same time is. Um, Almost all the food came from farms within 15 minutes from us. Um, so the, most of them are they're friends of ours. They uh, make a living raising animals and uh, growing vegetables. And so we decided this project is too special. We This is a way that we can, you know, give back to the carpenters. And so we sourced all these, these raw ingredients from local farms. And that's a pretty labor-intensive way to make meals mm. for that many people. And so... Uh, it was an awesome thing. It was really cool. And it was not lost on the carpenters. They all deeply appreciated it. Um, and so the book talks about that. Um, it uh, There's there's one chapter uh, called Gathering the World. And it's kind of uh, led by Albert Borgman's idea of the culture of the table. And he's just describing this, that when you're thinking about engaging with the world in terms of food, he's saying, you know, like the, the world is gathered uh, when you're, when you have people you love over and you're washing lettuce leaves together or you're eating bread that somebody baked with their hands or you have wine poured from an earthen vessel and you're sharing that and you bow your heads before the meal and there's just this, these, these cultural aspects. It's culture and nature coming together in a, in a communion with other people. And it's a really, it's a rich and... Um, rewarding experience. And so every single meal at this project really um, highlighted that, um, that this stuff, this food is not just, it's in one sense, it's not just fuel. Mm. It's not just power plant. Um, it's not indifferent. It's uh, that as Barbara Kingsolver has said, you know, any good thing that you think you've done today, remember that you did it because you ate something that grew out of dirt. <laughs> and that's a very... A humbling, centering thought. There. Yeah, and so I think this was a way to very consciously express uh, our dependence on the earth, our dependence that that we are not independent people, and that we need each other, and we need to look to uh, nature for provision. We're not independent beings, and so um, that kind of gratitude and, and hospitality, um, the, sh the sharing back and forth, was just a a pretty powerful thing. So that was work. That was work that is possible. And so that's also highlighted in the book. Mm. Um, it wasn't just a, a typical carpentry site. Yeah, I think one of the things in the documentary, I mean, there, there are a number of um, things that different carpenters said uh, that really strike a chord. But uh, the one thing about uh, 
to me that tied together the idea of this this work with these tools on these raw materials and the food aspect is uh, something Will Lissick was saying about, um, you know, a lot of times when you're preparing the meal, that's as pleasurable as eating the meal. Yeah. And he's like, when you're engaging these raw materials with these tools, the the building is as pleasurable as the final product. You know, you're mm-hmm. you have this frame. He said, you know, if all food was a paste, uh, it would be nourishing, but it, <laughs> you'd miss out on so much, so much texture and so much enjoyment of yeah. of cutting up the food together and p- putting those textures and colors and flavors together. Um, so it it really forms this uh, this really beautiful picture of what this this project meant. Well, and I think that. The frame, the way I've thought about it and describe it in the book, the standing frame is a monument to that week we shared together. Mm. And I, you know, I go, I go over there and I walk in the frame and I stand there and it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome frame. Yeah. Um, but in one sense, it's a bunch of long sticks tied together. Yeah. You know, they're joined together. And in one sense, it's, it's just a frame. But what's so beautiful about it is... Um, what you can see when you look close, all the tool marks from the carpenter's tools that they're, they're almost unique and distinctive that you can maybe some of the carpenters said they could probably identify each other's marks what? because yep. they're so unique. Um, and that's only far fetched if you haven't used hand tools. Right. <laughs> when you start to know, oh, I know how Mike planes, I could kind of maybe identify that. And when you're talking about an axe hewing a timber with a different, different tool and a different approach and method. Um, it's a very personal thing. So it's the personal aspect. It's not just the fact that it's a big, strong frame that's going to last a long time, right. which it is, but it's the fact that it's personal, that I know the people that made this, human hands made this, and it's a it's a beautiful thing. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a monument to, to what people can do working together, uh, working together with the grain of the universe, working with the grain of the world, working with nature as opposed to against nature, mm-hmm. trying to make, trying to build in a way that, you know, totally disregards the nature of wood. And so you have to get rid of wood and replace it with steel beams because you're trying to do something nature won't let you do. Um, when you work with it, it's such a, a rich experience. Mm-hmm. So um, for those eagerly, anticipating their copy of the book um, or those who who might order the book um, you know anytime you write something you have the reader in mind hmm. so um, just wondering what you hope to share with readers what how you hope this book will impact them how you hope this book will uh, change the way they look at their work in the shop or um, their approach to making things like how do you hope that this book impacts those who read it um well with the magazine and you know really with pretty much anything we write um you know we always ask that question Mm. we'll get through the thing and we'll look at an author's manuscript or our own and we always ask so what yeah right what's the point What's the take-home benefit? What's the the driving point? What are you trying to get across? This may be some interesting historic uh, reference 
and so-and-so did this thing this way, and other people didn't do this way, and maybe they learned it from this person. So what? So what? <laughs> what is the benefit for us? And it's not to uh, diminish that, but it's to say, and so let's learn from it. So let's get benefit from it. Um, how can this enrich our lives? And so as I was writing this book, the whole book is so what? I mean, in my mind, it's like every chapter I wanted to think like, the book is not, there was a work that happened. <laughs> <laughs> the book is another work is possible that you can do this kind of thing. And it doesn't mean everyone's going to make their own timber frame. Um, not everybody needs a timber frame. Um, but it does show that, you know, what I have heard from people is that, yeah, I really like those hand tools. They're really fun, but I couldn't do, you know, I, I really couldn't get rid of my table saw and I kind of have to have this thing. And they kind of have this idea that I got to be practical. You know, I can't, I can't do that. Um, but what I've been trying to say and show in, in this project even more strongly sh uh, showed that no, it is possible. It's not impractical. It's not, um, it's not out of the question to be able to, to work with hand tools. So, um, you know, maybe for you, this means in your life that you, when you go to the lunchroom at work, that you have a wooden spoon that you carved and you're working and it's maybe it's a maybe it's your first wooden spoon it's not great but you make another one mm. and then all of a sudden watch out you get addicted and you say i want to keep carving spoons <clears throat> and you realize what in the world am i doing i'm carving spoons every night i'm a crazy person <laughs> and uh or you could be um you know looking at you could maybe latch on to the food aspect and say you know what i live on a postage stamp of a property i only have a little bit of yard but I want to plant a garden. Yeah. I'm going to grow some stuff because I need more nature in my life. Or I want to learn to work with my hands because I don't know how to garden. I have no idea. I don't know what kinds of vegetables I could even grow. Um, or it could be, it could mean woodworking with hand tools. It could mean um, people can see, you know what? I don't want to take the, the risk of uh, power tools, physical injury to myself. Or... I just don't get joy out of using a table saw, but I feel like I have to. I want this book to say, no, you don't. Mm. You don't have to. Why don't you do it the way you want to do it? Um, and so for those of us who, who, who do want to use hand tools, who do want to embrace that kind of thing, this book is a message that it's possible. You can do that. And um, it's an unbelievable joy and delight to be able to uh, use your hands to shape nature. So. Well, it's been uh, so much fun, very enjoyable for me to work with you on this book and to, to pour over it with you. And uh, I am so excited to see it uh, get out there in the world and, and have people read it and, and be moved by it. Yeah. Um, how can people uh, get their hands on this book? How can they order it? Yeah, um, just like anything else, it's on uh, our website, mortisandtenonmag.com, um, and you can find that. Um, it's, it's through January 31st. We have the film and the book bundled for a discounted price, um, but you could also just order the book on its own or, or the film on its own, um, and so it will be delivered uh, at the end of March, and so um, 
yeah, we're just really excited. It's going to the printer anytime. And you can hop on our website, order it. Um, and that's the that's the spot. Yeah, can't wait. Cannot wait to see that. Um, so thank you, Joshua. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Morris and Tenon podcast. If you haven't already, you can subscribe at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, please leave them below, and we will see you next time. Thank you.